You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Welcome, friends. Uh, My name is Bill White. My pronouns are he, him, and it is good to be with you here today. Friends on Zoom, so glad you're with us. Uh, You are at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it's good to be together on this Labor Day weekend. We have some friends here in the house, which is always good. Um, It's just good to be together. Uh, We like to pray for our kiddos before we send them out. Alex Alvarado is going to pray for our kids. If you would welcome up Alex. Thank you, sir. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, we bless uh, the kids in this area and all the queer kids in the world. Uh, Keep them safe and keep them protected and guide them to what's right and what's good. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Kiddos, if you would like, you can go with Alex and the team. How fun is this? And here is our other fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. Hi, hi friends. Um, So we are wrapping up a sermon series today in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. We have been in Exodus all summer long, uh, just trying to understand better how how do you relate to God, right? In Exodus, there are a lot of ups and downs, a lot of bumps, uh, a lot of of messiness, I would say. It's Uh, literally a journey and figuratively. It it is, yes, it's a journey. Um, And so today we come to the close in this, this place where Moses and God are kind of, kind of going at it. Um, and uh, I woke up this morning, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I should probably tell them about last night. So I was thinking uh, this morning as I was thinking about the sermon today that, uh, so Saturday night's often date night. Uh, and so Katie and I had a, you know, kind of a fancy dinner, um, frozen pizza and some asparagus. Um, and, yum, yum. And some cauliflower left- crust, right? Cauliflower crust. That's the best kind, right? <laughs> so good. Uh, Everyone here is so jealous. Yes, I know they are. So, and then we take a long walk around our neighborhood, and uh, and it was it was so nice. And uh, I wish I could say this was unusual, but uh, Katie brought up like, hey, there were a couple of moments where you were a little sharp today. I was like, huh? That's strange. Never happened before. Um, and we, we entered into this conversation about my anger. Um, probably the 20th time this year, uh, maybe 30th. Uh, and how I lead with anger oftentimes in, in relationships when there's something going on. And she said, you know, it's, uh, she said, I, I wonder if you're just sad. You know, your, your daughter, Karis has been home all summer. It's been fantastic having you home, honey. <laughs> <laughs> she loves when I point her out of church. <laughs> um, but she's been home. It's been great. And she's going, uh, she's going off to school on Tuesday. And Katie said, you know, I wonder if you're just kind of sad. And I was like, oh, that's what that emotion is. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's just a little easier to be with you if, if you were to lead with your vulnerability as opposed to follow with it. 
And I, I thought, yeah. And, and it ended up being a great conversation because the truth is, I do so much better now than I used to. I mean, you think I'm a mess now? You should have seen me 30 years ago when we got married, right? Total disaster. And she's gotten so much better at calling things out. And we've just learned how to, uh, to have these conversations. And so later in the evening, we were going to bed and I thanked her. I said, hey, thanks for such a good fight tonight. And she said, oh, was that a fight? And she was being serious. You know, was, was, was that a fight? I said, well, I, th I think it probably was. But it, it's this sense of which we're, we're actually growing. And I, I think part of what, what growth looks like is you practice a lot. And, and it's hard. And a lot of us, I, all of us, need to practice these things with each other, with our loved ones. Um, and we really need to practice it with God. And it just takes a lot of work. And so today, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a passage where Moses and God are fighting, and they're, they're working on it, and they're trying to get somewhere. So uh, if you would welcome up our friend Israel and our friend Kelly, who are going to be reading scripture today, come on down. Uh, and Kelly, just, by, just so you guys know who to look for, Kelly is leading a new group starting in a couple of weeks um, to, about how to love our LGBT friends and family. So if, if you want to learn how to love better your LGBT friends and family, or if you have someone um, that you would like to learn how to love you better, um, <laughs> introduce them to Kelly, right? She'll be leading our group. So uh, they're reading from uh, uh, Exodus 33, and this is uh, God and Moses. And why don't we stand in honor of uh, God's word being read? So. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you personally, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know what, that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. Thank hey. you. So good. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's really nice sometimes getting to hear the dialogue, right? It's actually happening to real people, having a conversation, having an argument. I have to admit, uh, as we were prepping for this morning, there was part of me feeling a little bit like, I think this is the same sermon, like the same story that we've been preaching from, from like all summer, practically, because we've so often found ourselves 
in these situations where we're hearing that there's a fight, where God is angry at his people, at God's people, try not to use that male pronoun, and God's people are feeling like they're kind of frustrated with God too. And, and it just happens over and over again. There's this lingering conflict that doesn't seem to be fully resolved. And yet, even as Bill was talking about his experience with Katie last night, there's part of me that goes, well, yeah, that's kind of real life, isn't it? We do often find ourselves having the same conversations over and over again with the people that we love and, and we make improvements, right? We figure out a little something, but it turns out there's always another layer, another layer that we have to hopefully lovingly fight our way through to get to the other side. But it does feel messy. Uh, it reminds me of what biblical scholar Pete Enns said, is that the Bible is what you get when God lets people tell God's story, right? It's messy. And it's a little tilted towards one side of the story. It is, it's a true reflection of the experiences that God's people have had with God. And yet it always leaves us a bit with the question, what we see written down, it's an accurate description of what they experienced, but is it supposed to be like that this is, this is good or that this is absolutely exactly what happened if God were the one telling us the story? If we were to hear a bit more of what was going on from God's side of the table. The biggest vibe that I get from this passage, and you guys can push back if you experience something different, but I experience God as grumpy. God just seems kind of grumpy. And you guys may have thought of it with different words. I think for many of us, even if we've grown up with any kind of spiritual background, religious background, churchy background, sometimes our gods are presented to us as angry, demanding, judgmental. There's sort of a, a sense that we're not sure that God is completely on our side. And that definitely seems to be what God's people are experiencing in this passage. They're, they're wondering, is God really with us? Is God going to abandon us? Is he punishing us? Is God disappointed in us? And I think we ask those questions sometimes, right? When the cancer comes back, when we don't get the job or the promotion that we are hoping for, something happens with our kids, we have a significant relationship that breaks. And part of us wonders if this isn't just God being grumpy with us. And I think the people of Israel, they had legitimate reasons to ask these questions, partly because they had had it rough. There had been trauma for each of them individually. They've been on a hard journey. They've experienced some really difficult things and there's generations of trauma behind them as their ancestors have experienced 400 years of enslaved labor in Egypt. It's also just the way 
people experienced the divine at that point. Messages from the surrounding culture where most gods were pretty grumpy. Most gods were pretty like, hey, I can shoot you with a lightning bolt whenever I want. So why would they assume that this God, Yahweh, is any different? And I think that's true for us too, right? There are the experiences that we bring in to our relationship with God that may tell us, man, we're not sure God is trustworthy because if God is trustworthy, then why would all of this junk have happened in my life, in the lives of people that I love? And there are messages that say that God is angry with us. God is disappointed with us. God is waiting to punish us. In fact, as I was thinking this morning about this, I was like, yeah, I personally, I look back at the last year and I'm like, I've never had more messages directly and indirectly from people telling me that God is disappointed with me. Um, that's just, that's just the reality. And so now I'm like, well, I'm in my 40s, and I've had a significant amount of therapy, you know, over the last couple of decades, right? And, and so I'm pretty well equipped to hear it and say this isn't true. And it still sucks. And it's still wearisome. It hurts me. And I've got to believe it hurts those people who truly believe this is who God is. And so it leaves us with this question. I mean, as you read this passage, is God really this grumpy? Do you, do you think that as you read this passage, is God really this grumpy? Does he want to just write them off and say like, forget them? I mean, there are so many passages that we can look at and say like, yeah, is God this grumpy? Or is this about the people and who they believed God to be? So on the one hand, I personally think, yeah, if, if our filter for God, if the key sort of paradigm that we have looking at God is anger, we might want to look at that. We might want to say, what are the other things in my life that are telling me that? Who are the people who have said, because of who you love, because of how you look, because of... The questions you're asking, I know that God is disappointed in you. And say, oh, that may be much more about them than it is about God. And that we actually get to name it. Because Jesus didn't show us a God who was grumpy and unforgiving. One of my favorite images is God is the good parent usually in the scripture referred to as father. I want to give you freedom. If that's a triggering image in any way for you, feel free to make it parent or mother. But he tells the people, if you sinful, broken, messed up, limited, again, whatever word you prefer there, people, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus embodied the strands that are there all over the place in the Old Testament from the very beginning that say, God is merciful, God's compassionate, God's good and faithful and patient. It's not a picture of a grumpy God. But I also want to say, one of the things that I actually 
like about the people wrestling with their grumpy God is at least they're remembering that God is a person. Because sometimes I've also experienced that the people who I might kind of try to look at this like, oh, that was like how people thought of God back then when we were unenlightened, and now we're so much more enlightened. Um, they sort of lose the personal aspect of it. That can be a temptation for us, right? That we start making God into kind of a philosophical ideal or sort of an abstract energy in the world. And I kind of like that here we see a picture of, again, God is, God is parent. This is a person who actually has emotions just like us, who isn't distant, who isn't, again, just impersonal or abstract, but, but actually wants to reach out to us and be in relationship with us. And, and yeah, arguing and kind of stumbling our way towards each other is, is kind of what people do. Caitlin Curtis, uh, who's a, a wonderful Native American writer and thinker uh, in a podcast that several of us listened to and talked over recently, she had this prayer that she shared that started off with, God, how are you feeling about all of this? Like thinking about just all the mess in the world, right? From passing maybe litter on the street to just the news that we watch that upsets us. And God, how are you feeling about this? That God has emotion. God cares deeply. But that unlike some of our human limited parents, unlike the very human limited parent that I am, God's just able to, in, in a full and complete way, hold all the emotion and work through it, to never stop loving in the midst of sadness, in the midst of, yeah, that's, that's not how I wanted my people to treat each other. That's not how I wanted my people to treat the earth, to still lean in the way a good parent does and stay hopeful, stay present, stay engaged. So in, in the midst of this grumpiness, right, God's telling the people like, look, I'm not going to go with you because if I go with you, I'm gonna, I'll wreck you. Like, I, I'm, I'm out of this relationship. And the people are like, oh, no. Moses steps right up and says, let's go at it, right? And in particular, what Moses does is, God, is, is Moses quotes God to God. <laughs> well, but you said right? Which uh, doesn't always work well. And sometimes when I say that to, to people, but anyway, but it's, it's what's going on here. Uh, so in verse 12, it says this, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you know, then all the mess that follows. <laughs> it's such a great picture though, that God's actually inviting this kind of relationship that when we read scripture, we can push back. We can say, well, you said this, but hold on. What about Jesus, for example, like what Brenna just said? And we get to enter into these kind of conversations that are, well, they're full attention. It's a, it's a fight. Yesterday, I was, uh, on Saturdays, I take some time in the morning and I journal and then I read back on journals from last year and then the same weekend 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago, I have a lot of journals. Um, 
And uh, I was reading back in my journals from 20 years ago. It was a classic moment. I was so, I was at a kind of a, large, a kind of a mega church type setting where I was a college pastor. And I was like, God, you told me to invest in leadership development and that character would win the day. And I spent a month doing that and we still haven't grown our group. And it was just month. hilarious. A whole month. A whole, a whole month. month. Like not, not telling everybody, more, get more people. Get more. A whole month. And it didn't work. It was, it was, it was actually kind of hilarious. I was like, oh, that poor little, boy, poor little Bill. <laughs> God bless little Bill. He was trying so hard uh, to fit in, you know, in his culture. Um, but in some ways, that's, it's a little bit of what Moses is doing here, right? Um, and Moses goes on and he has this great line, remember that this is your people. This is your problem, God, right? He says that in verse 13. I, I love that line. It's like, hey, you, you put me up to this? And again, it's, it's an argument. It's a fight. And sometimes you just throw down, and it takes a little while to process through, right? So this is still on the front end, and that's okay. And it's okay to really say to God, like, what are you doing? This is a mess. This is not what you said. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I was thinking about City Church and starting City Church, and, and I had one of those, those moments. I, had, I don't think I'd ever spent as much time in Scripture as I had the year before deciding that we were going to start this little church, which is over 11 years ago. And I mean, we, we worked hard and, and prayed and tried to, we were at a, uh, at a church near here and, and talked with the leadership about helping us start this church and uh, things just didn't go well with the church we were at. And there came the moment where we, we met with the, the pastoral team and the board all together. And there was, it was a very intense meeting. And they, they said to me, uh, and my my friend Jason, he was the other original co-pastor. Um, they said, uh, you can plant a church, but you are not allowed to ask anyone to go with you. And you cannot ask anyone to support you financially. And you cannot ask anyone to pray for you. <laughs> like, I mean, talk about scorched earth policy, right? Like, make sure they don't pray for you. I, I was like, I was so mad. I was so hurt. I was, truth is, I was just so scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, and I, it would be years before I could actually name that one. Um, but that Saturday morning, again, that's sort of my time. I went and took some time alone with God, and I was like, what are you doing? This is crazy. This isn't, you know, you can't do this. Like, these are, this is your idea. Like, that would, 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 and I mean, I was crying. I was, you know, I was just a mess. And that's a lot of times how the beginning of the arguments start. And 
Perhaps it's not perfectly healthy. Sometimes it takes a while for some of us to get to our actual hearts, mm. to find out what's going on, whether it's the sadness or the fear or whatever it is. And the truth of the matter is, I look back now, 11 years later, I realize that had we had all those things, the people and the money and the prayer support, we would have been just a little replica of this other church. We would never have become what City Church is. We never would have become this. And so I'm, I'm actually thankful. And I'm not saying that to say, well, all prayers always work out. No, some prayers don't work out, right? Sometimes people die and, and other terrible things. But what I can say is in the argument, we actually got somewhere. And it's worth it, even though it's, it's such hard emotional and spiritual work to do that with God. So I want to uh, just share this, this line from uh, kind of one of our patron saints, Wilda Gaffney, um, who's an Old Testament scholar, brilliant womanist theologian. Uh, this is what she says, and it sums it all up. I don't run from a fight or a hard text or a fight with a hard text. I believe in wrestling with the bruising words until I squeeze a blessing out of them, no matter how down and dirty it gets or how out of joint I get. Wrestling with God, getting on fighting, maybe not even fighting well, but at least being willing to engage is crucial to that journey. Hmm. You know, as you were sharing that, Bill, what it made me think about a bit is the difference between process and outcome, right? Or journey and destination. That sometimes we want to make it. Do we get to the right outcome, the right, you know, destination versus can we really embrace what God's doing along the way? And, um, you, the other thing I was thinking about a bit <laughs> throughout all of this is, you know, we actually talk about fighting a fair amount here at the church. Um, and sometimes when people hear it, like the automatic assumption is, you know, fighting means something mean, right? It means something sort of like you just get down and dirty, whether you're throwing fists or you're throwing words at each other and the intention is to hurt. And there is a difference between healthy fighting and unhealthy fighting right? That even, again, Katie and Bill's like dynamic last night, where Katie's like, oh, were we having a fight? And part of me was going, yes, you know, Katie, you had a great fight. Good job, right? Like, because it's a skill that we learn how to, how to actually enter into these deep and honest and hopefully caring conversations. But, but it helps to think about what makes an argument healthy versus unhealthy, what makes a fight healthy versus health unhealthy. And I think at a very bare bones level, part of it is just the unhealthy kind tend to be about winning, right? I want to win but this I argument. Win. I know you do. I know you do, <laughs> right? And, and sometimes even part of the reason we want to win is because we're sure we're right. We're right, so we should win. But is it worth it if you weren't also loving at the same time? right? Because you can be as right as you want to be. And if you weren't loving, you still might not be super happy with the relational outcome 
at the end of the day, right? Versus a healthy argument is much less about winning and much more about growing individually and together. We're saying like, okay, we clearly are coming at something from very different perspectives. And yeah, I mean, my perspective is my perspective. I own it. I believe in it. But having just that little bit of humility to say, I wonder what I could learn. And I wonder how I could understand you better. And I wonder how we might actually be able to move together and help each other if we can just talk well, bravely, because it's not always the easiest to unearth the fact that, hey, we're having a difference here. But in any relationship, a friendship, a marriage, or with God, do we want to win or do we want to grow? The tough moments that are not fun are actually sometimes the ones that can be, be super valuable. So with God, you know, we think like we do this all the time, don't we? They're arguing with God, wrestling with God. Like the passage from Will Gaffney that Bill just read, it can be so healthy. It brings us to the deeper, truer places. Love can lead us forward that way. But it can also get us stuck where we we forget what we're actually shooting for. We just want to be right. And we forget that love piece, right? Of getting to the deeper truths that really bring things together. So that's kind of what we see here in this passage. It seems like Moses is saying, God, I, I actually want to know you. I teach me your ways. Tell me what I'm missing so we can move forward together. I know what I want. I want you to take all the people. But you help me understand what's going on from your side too. And so there's this sense of staying connected in the argument, staying connected in the difficult moments. It's a posture, right? Of like, I'm leaning in. It's a posture that communicates a lot of humility. I'm willing to learn, but also some vulnerability in that as well. And I just think it, it makes a difference. So, you know, whenever we get up here, I think we're preaching to ourselves as much as any of you, right? So I think, okay, so yeah, if I take my statement from a bit ago, this has been a, one of the hardest years in terms of people telling me God is disappointed with me. I don't know that my argument is with God. And yet the emotions that it brings up for me, am I willing to sit in that space with God? And say, God, teach me. What do you have for me in this difficult season? It could be about love and patience with people I'm finding hurtful. It could be about boundaries, right? And ways that I hold those, hopefully also with love. But am I willing to sit with God in that space where it's messy, I think is the question. it to you hmm. yeah no i was just i was just thinking <laughs> i don't know sorry i was that's what i'm supposed to do right i think yeah um so the, the the passage wraps up this way where where god says this my presence will go with you and it's the singular 
He's saying, I'm done with the people. Moses, I'll go with you personally, and I'll give you personally rest. And Moses pushes back and says, if your president doesn't go with us, don't bother. Right? So it's, it's, the, it's the final piece in the argument. Moses mm-hmm. is like, no, that's not okay. Um, and, and God relents and says, okay, I'll go. I'll go with the people, and I'll bless all the people. And, uh, and the story continues. What, what you see here is, by this point, you, you get to the win-win. Right, they they worked hard with each other, shared value. You know, what are your core values? Like what Brent was just talking about, like what what matters in this, and and where is there where is there overlap? There, they they actually they actually get there. I was just like, come on, you know, you love these people. These are your people. God's like, yeah, you're right, I do. But boy, they're a mess. You know, and you're not the best leader. <laughs> You know, and it, which is true. Moses has had a, a few moments. But it's, it's this great picture of an argument at its best where you press on. Sure, sometimes it's a little um, messy at the beginning. And, and never would we endorse violence uh, or abuse or anything like that. So we're not talking about like with our loved ones that we get to do those things. No, but we do get to stumble in imperfectly uh, and, and share emotions that maybe aren't the real emotions and, and push back on each other and remind each other of like, no, that's not what you said. That's not how this goes and learn from each other and finally get to the point where you actually share values together and realize, oh yeah, we do have a common ground here. And that's where this particular passage ends. Uh, and this for Moses has been a long journey. This is at the end of the book of Exodus, and he's had these sorts of conversations literally for years, for decades. So I'm not sure we're always going to get that neat, clean resolution, but but this at least is what the process looks like. Yeah. So um, Katie White has already been basically a third player in our conversation today, but we thought we should give her an opportunity to speak for herself a bit. And so Katie agreed to come up and share a bit of her story. So would you welcome Katie up? Um, And Bill gets to talk to Katie all the time, so I get the privilege this morning. Awesome. Katie, tell everyone just a little bit about, um, first, I want to say while you are, you know, married to one of the pastors. I think you also come to City Church out of your own free will. Uh, So tell a little bit about your relationship with the church outside of your relationship to the co-pastor. Yes, so I've been here for 10 years since we started. I asked Bill last night, I was like, is it okay if I say that I stay here because I like to have a female pastor? (laughs) He's like, sure. I was like, what? (laughs) Is this not enough? (laughs) So one of the reasons I love the church is that I like both of you guys, you know, leading us. And it's just a really beautiful picture of sharing authority and power and teaching and wisdom. And I like that it's honest. Mm. I like that the conversation is honest here. Mm. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about what you do for your day job during the week. Um, I think some people know, but just make sure everybody's kind of kind of aware. Yeah, so I'm 
a doctor and I work in a clinic, a community clinic based out of Skid Row and Boyle Heights up in downtown LA. And I'm also a leader of the doctors up there. Um, so I kind of help manage all the clinical care and we, we care for a lot of patients who are homeless, who are experiencing homelessness and otherwise sort of on the edges of the system of yeah. healthcare. So when I hear that, I think it definitely seems like a situation where you have some real opportunities to have some questions for God about how things are working out for your people, right? The people that you care for, both your staff, but then also your patients, your clients, right? The people of Skid Row. So what is that like for you? Yeah, when Bill asked me about this, I was like, oh, that's easy. <laughs> Um, because I, I do feel like I'm constantly sort of in a storm or like realizing that things are not as they should be. Mm -hmm. And while I love my job because I get to see healing, you know, I get to see people experience healing and love in a way that's really unique. And, you know, the reason that I am a Christian is because I'm compelled by Jesus and how Jesus sort of calls us to justice and healing and love. I'm like, that's the way the world should be. So that's why I'm a Christian. And I get to experience that in the workplace, which is amazing, you know, because mm -hmm. I get to kind of see people experience healing. But in this workplace, and especially in the last three years, and this has been the same for a lot of people in healthcare and a lot of other industries, you know, but particularly in our clinic, I just feel like the, the obstacles have constantly been greater than our ability to overcome them. And mm -hmm. so the, the stories in the gospel that I really resonate with the last couple of years are this, this story of the storm, where there's people in a boat, the disciples are in a boat, and this like crazy storm that they feel like they're going to die, they feel so unsafe that they're going to die, and Jesus is sleeping on a cushion in the boat, and like, wake up, Jesus, and Jesus... <laughs> wakes up and calms the storm. And he's like, where was your faith? I'm like, Jesus, come on, they were gonna die. But I feel like I'm in the boat a lot and I'm Jesus is sleeping because like we got all these people, you know, who need, who need care, who need like whole person care. And we don't have enough money. We don't have enough staff. We don't have enough resources. There's forces against us, you know, just crazy stuff. And so for me, it's like, I am in that boat and I need to be reminded that Jesus is, sleep, is in the boat, even though I get kind of mad that Jesus is sleeping. <laughs> And I need to remind other people, you know, and so I really resonate with the people in the storm. Um, but yeah, I feel frustrated because it's not so much that God's grumpy with me, but it's like God is hidden. You know, mm -hmm. what, what are you doing in the midst of this God? Mm -hmm. Or like silent. Mm -hmm. Why is sleeping okay? Yeah, <laughs> like Jesus, this is a storm. Why are you sleeping? And obviously, well, not obviously, but maybe Jesus wants them to learn something. So maybe God wants me to learn something, but still it's hard being the storm yeah i don't know if this is gonna make sense but try this with me like how do you respond to jesus saying sort of you of little faith on a really good day where you feel like man this is i'm just i'm digging this out of my soul and how do you respond to jesus saying that on a hard day yeah i mean i think on a good day i i'm aware that other people are in the boat with me and that's helpful. And I'm aware that Jesus is there. And on a bad day, I feel like I'm in the rowboat by myself mm -hmm. and there's no one there. And I really remember there was a time about six months ago, I was running, I was jogging and it was a particularly hard time, but 
then again, those who know me closely know that there's always a crisis, you know, and I like start crying and I stop and I stop and walk, which is rare. I was like, God, I cannot do this alone. Like you have to be with me and I don't feel you with me right now. So you better be there. And I can't do this without other people, you know, so please put the people around me that I need and remind me that you're in this, you know, so the good day is knowing that I'm in the boat with others and Jesus is there and that Jesus periodically wakes up. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, my life is a storm that Jesus wakes up and goes back to sleep and wakes up and goes back to sleep. It actually describes something real you're experiencing. Yes. But I, you know, I do feel that Jesus wants us, like I am learning from the storm because yeah. there's a big part of me that wants to believe that I can do whatever, what I am like, I can do anything. And certainly in this kind of work, I've been reminded that I certainly cannot do a lot of things. And I actually need uh, people in the boat with me and I need Jesus to be there. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the picture of, I mean, the storms are just there. There is something realistic to that. Because isn't it part of why we want Jesus to wake up is so the storm will go away. Yeah. And, and yet our real life experience. And if it was all calm waters, like, to be honest, I might not pay attention to whether Jesus was with me. And I'm not mm. sure that's what Jesus would want. Mm. So maybe the storm is okay, because it mm. reminds me that I need others and I need I need Jesus, which is an okay place to be. Yeah, I loved that piece too, that it actually wasn't just about, it's not just about you and Jesus. It's about you and the all the other people. Yeah. Are they actually there with you? I mean, whether it's that right. you're in the rowboat alone or maybe they're sleeping along with Jesus. Like, am I the only person who sees what's happening? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks for being honest with us. Really appreciate it. You a have a time, question. A lot of times we close by saying. Oh, do you have yes. a question you'd like to ask either of us? Though maybe I'm on the hot seat. I don't know. <laughs> since Bill's staying nice and silent. He's like, yeah, I don't want Katie asking yeah, me a question. <laughs> I have a question. What is one way when you challenge God mm -hmm. and God does not answer in a quick and easy way? Um, what is one way that you've heard from, from God in a creative way? One way that I've heard from God. Or like that you feel like you receive an answer. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like for me, a lot of times it's, it's actually through scripture. Like I'll hear a story and I'll be mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, that's reminding me like God is there even though I don't feel it. But other people, it's different. Maybe it's a person. Like, I don't know. Yeah. One example of some way that like yeah. you really felt you needed God and God didn't respond the way you wanted, but a different way. Yeah, I think a lot of times it is the people sorts of ways. Like those little, somebody just saying something that reminds me I'm very harsh on myself, you know, so I can, as much as I'm like, oh, people telling me God's disappointed with me, I already have mm -hmm. plenty of internal dialogue, you know, to, to push back against that way. And so when other people are healthy mirrors for me, you know, well, I'm going to hold that intention with being a pastor, especially sometimes I have to try not to believe my own press um, because, you know, you guys see one version of me on Sunday mornings, but especially the people who know me well, like, you know, it was my birthday recently, I'm going to give an example. And so my family went around the table and like shared something they appreciate about me. And some of it was like, just hilarious, right? You know, like, wow, you drive us places really well, you know, and like, I'm like, yes, I sure do, don't I? Um, <laughs> but some of the others, like, have just like, you know, the child going like, you're always, you just always ask us how we're doing and how was mm. it like that they experienced me as just like 
interested and present and there mm -hmm. for them. And, you know, another child, you know, just is always going to pull out a way that I've been championing them recently. And I am giving them freedom and permission to be themselves. And, and those, those just sort of like the people who matter to me, who know me deeply, they love me and they're calling out the good. And I feel loved. And I think it can give me some patience with where I'm waiting for answers and waiting to feel that love. So That's thanks, beautiful. Katie. It reminds you of who you are in God's eyes. Yeah, yeah, that I am beloved. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. No, oh, thanks, 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 Katie. Katie. Hey, let's pray.